Welcome to the first ever episode of the Draft Pick NBA Draft Podcast. If you don't know me, uh, I am the host of the show. My name is Thomas Stapleton. Um, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at Thomas Stapleton NBA or T Stapleton NBA on Twitter. Uh, this is something I've really wanted to start for a while, to be honest. So I've always wanted to have uh, kind of my own NBA draft podcast where I can talk about all sorts of different things. Uh, I'm pretty active on Twitter. Uh, I write articles um, about the draft for the Right Way Sports Network. Um, and I, I do a lot of really cool draft stuff, but I've never really had my own place to really just talk and focus about everything when it comes to the NBA draft. And that's what this podcast is going to be. Uh, I plan on doing a bunch of different scouting reports. I'm going to be doing big boards. I'm going to be doing mock drafts. I'm going to be looking over team fits and, you know, putting prospects in certain places and, you know, analyzing team situations and basically just everything involved with the NBA draft. I'm going to be covering it. I'm super excited. I'm going to get to share my thoughts because it's been uh, it's been an interesting year in college hoops. I've really enjoyed this class uh, this year, and I hope that I will continue to do this podcast years down the line. So then in 2022, I'm going to continue to you know do more scouting reports, do mock drafts, and then in years on, and so on and so on. Uh, but like I said, if you want to find me anywhere, you can find me on Instagram, Tom Stapleton NBA. You can find me on Twitter at T Stapleton NBA. Uh, and you can check out my articles on the Right Way Sports Network. Like I said, I do a bunch of cool NBA draft stuff. So for the first episode, uh, I've done a ton of work on a bunch of guys, and eventually I'm going to do more in-depth, detailed episodes about certain prospects. But for this one, I'm going to release my first big board because I've got around, I want to say I've ranked around 45-ish guys I'm pretty comfortable with my top 30 at, at the moment. I don't think there's any guys that are realistically going to be added to that top 30 anytime soon. So today I'm going to release my first round, just the first round of my first NBA draft big board. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited. So, But like I said, make sure to go follow me on all socials. Um, and yeah, let's get right to it. All right. So I think it's just time to get started. So... The top, all right, so I'm still working a bit on my tiers because I don't, straight rankings, it can get a, it can get a bit difficult. Um, here's what I will say. So my, my number one, my number, I would say my one through four is pretty set in stone. The order is set in stone and the guys are set in stone. I'll obviously get into who those guys are and the order in a second. Then I would say my five through seven range gets really, really tricky, and I basically go back and forth between a bunch of different guys. But 5 through 7, I would say, is basically tied. Um, 8, 9, and 10 are pretty set in place. I could see um, some like fluctuation between the tiers of that. Um, and then 11, 12, 13, those guys are going to are staying somewhere in that range. And then from like 14 to 19, it's a complete... Uh, it's, it's a pretty fluid tier. And then I would say my 20 through 30, still pretty fluid, but I'm a bit more confident in my order there. But this is a really, really interesting draft. I would say, here's let's just get into it with my first guy. Uh, this should come as no surprise. My number one guy is Cade Cunningham in this NBA draft. And I just, I don't see an argument for any other guy. Cade is just the most 
valuable kind of NBA player. He's a six foot eight wing initiator who can hit any shot on the floor, can make any pass um, in the book, and has some underrated defensive upside. I'll kind of get into that. We're going to do a whole episode dedicated to these top four guys. Um, but I, I'm going to talk about Cade because his offense is obviously fantastic. He's really developed well as a three-point shooter. Um, I do still have some questions about uh, in terms of how effectively he's going to be able to get to the rim. Um, and obviously when he gets, when he gets to the rim, his finishing isn't great. It's not terrible, but it's not at the point where I would consider it a, a complete strength of his at the moment. But yeah, Cade is a, a really flawless prospect at 19 years old. He does pretty much everything you'd want. Uh, he's going to be the best player on really, really high level teams for a long time. And then my number two player is Evan Mobley. And I think the top two of these guys, like Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley is the number one and number two of this class. Evan Mobley realistically would go number one in, I want to say, any other class. I know some people are a bit lower on him, but I honestly think he's right up there uh, with Cade Cunningham. Like I said, Cade is still the clear number one guy, but Evan Mobley is special. Um, it's rare that you find a seven-footer with his level of coordination IQ and feel for the game. Like there's a lot of things. Again, Cade's underrated skill, I would say, is his defense. With Evan Mobley, I love his passing. Like I think there's a lot of really good passing chops that he has. He reads the floor very well. This is that was a problem I had with last year's uh, number two overall pick and the first center taken off the board, James Wiseman. He couldn't really read the floor. He was a bit of a ball stopper on offense. He didn't really have court vision. Evan Mobley is he makes right plays. He makes smart plays. Um, and he's a really good passer for his size. Um, on top of that, he's got untapped scoring potential. I think his shooting is going to come along quite nicely. Um, and then on defense, he's just the complete package. Uh, at the number three spot, I know a lot of people have my number four over my number three, but I'm going to have Jalen Green at that number three spot. Um, this is a guy who is just a dynamite score. The best pure score in the draft, in my opinion. Um I just think his ability to score from all three levels. He's an alien athlete. He's got a textbook jumper. He can hit shots from all over the floor. I'm really high on his three-point shooting projection. Uh, I came into the year a bit skeptical about how successful of a shooter he was going to be, and he proved me wrong. I mean, he shot around, I want to say, 36 37% in the G League uh, with around 81% from the foul line, something along those, those numbers. And that, that's really good, especially when you factor in the difficulty of the jumpers he's taking. He's good in catch and shoot, but some of the jumpers that he's forced to take are tough, but they go in a lot. So I'm really high on his shooting projection. He's an unbelievable finisher. For someone that is so skinny, he just gets into the lane. He knows how to contort himself. He can finish through contact. One of the best finishing prospects I've seen in a while. Like he's just a complete package as a finisher. And I, I like his defense probably a little more than most. I don't think he's a bad defender. Um, by, I don't think he's great, but I don't think he's bad either. I think that there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve for him. I think his technique could get a little better. I think that he's going to have to fill out his body at some point. Again, he's just so skinny. But I really do think that one day he's going to be able to be a really solid defender while being one of the NBA's best and most efficient scorers. At number four, I've got Jalen Suggs. 
And look, I'm probably a little lower than Suggs than consensus. And that's not a bad thing. Suggs is still a great prospect. And I mean, my number four ranking doesn't really show that I'm low on him, but I've seen a lot of people have him as the number two guy in the class. And that is where I just, I don't see it. Um, Again, I'm going to get into this in a later episode, but I think Suggs is fantastic as a finisher. I think he's a really smart player. I think he's going to fit in with any team that drafts him. I don't think he's some, but I don't think he's someone that comes in and changes kind of the context and is that main guy of an offense. That's my issue. That's my biggest issue with Suggs. There are a couple things that are holding him back that, in my opinion, will hinder his ability to lead an effective offense in the NBA. Again, that's not a bad thing, but I just think he would be better as a number two or number three guy in an NBA offense as opposed to a number one. But uh, like I said, number ones on championship teams are really hard to find. They are. That's just the reality. Maybe Cade Cunningham can get there, but there's no guarantee that he even gets to that level despite him being as fantastic as a prospect as he is. Uh, But with Suggs, I'm a little bit lower on him, but uh, with his defense, his playmaking, his overall IQ, just such a smart player, he'll fit in anywhere. I I think he's a great player, but I I would say I'm a little lower on him than consensus. And now after the top four, after the top four, it really, really gets, I, I think the evaluation drops off quite a bit. A lot of the mainstream likes to paint this picture of, oh, there's a consensus top five, you know, these are the five guys, figure out the order between them, but these are the top five to rank. And uh, Kuminga is obvious the fifth guy, but I I don't think it's a consensus top five. I think it's, I think though I'm pretty comfortable with my top four, like I don't think that's going to change, but I think after that, you can go a bunch of different ways. Um, I know one of my, um, one of my friends on NBA draft Twitter, uh, Aiden Mayer, he recently um, made a tweet and asked, who was your fifth-ranked prospect? And he got around 10 different results because it's just that, like, like Kuminga, he's a good prospect with a lot of potential, but there are some people that don't fully believe in his potential. I'm one of those people. Uh, I'll get into why later, but I just, I, I don't think he belongs up there as, like, this consensus top five guys with the other four for reasons. But at the number five, I said this at the beginning, the five through seven is a tricky, tricky range. It really is. I can, I go back and forth pretty much every single day uh, with who I want at five, six, and seven. I'm all really high on all three of these guys here. Like, I think all three have legitimate star upside. Whether they'll reach it, we'll see. But I think all will at least be quality pieces on contenders, if not star pieces. But as of today, as of right now, my number five player in the draft is Josh Giddy uh, from the NBL. And this that's probably a hot take, I would say. I, I Giddy's one of those guys that I'm probably higher on the consensus, and I'm okay with that. Because with Josh Giddy, you have a six foot eight initiating wing, kind of like a Cade Cunningham. Um and he, I would argue, he's an even better passer than Kate Cunningham. I, I truly believe it. Just his court court mapping, his overall awareness. He's super crafty. He sees passing windows that most guys just can't ever see. Um, he manipulates defenses, um, and then his scoring skills. 
I'm higher on him as a scorer than most. I think that this year in the NBL showed that he definitely has some work to do as a scorer. Like, is he ever going to be a 25-point-per-game-a-night scorer? I doubt it. But I think he's got a good outline, like a good baseline as a scorer. And I think he's only going to continue to improve because he's going to be like he's going to grow into himself with the ball in his hands. He's going to have the ball in his hands all the time. He's going to be allowed to make mistakes. He's going to be allowed to have freedom and he's going to learn. He's going to develop and he's going to grow that way. And so I think his scoring is really going to come along. Um, His jumper needs some work. It does, but I think there are, he's a couple tweaks away um, from being a successful shooter. We've already seen, I mean, outside, he had a very horrific start to his season shooting wise. I think I want to see he was like two for 20 and then he was like five for 24, something like that, uh, to start the year. But then after that, he shot around 34% from the rest of the season. 34% isn't a great number, but it's much, much better than 20, than the 29% on the season that he shot. So I'm higher on a shooting projection than most, and I think with his ability to read the floor and make plays, I think he's a really special prospect. And then at my number six, I give the edge to Kai Jones. Kai Jones is someone that I've had at five for a little bit, um, and I, I I have him at six here, but again, five through seven is all super close. I wouldn't really pay any attention to the rankings. It might as well say um, tied for five. Like Basically, all of these guys are tied for five. Um, but yeah, Kai Jones is someone that I'm also really, really high on. I think that he just, his potential, the reason I'm not fully committing to him as my number five guy and more leading towards Giddy at this moment is I guess what is his, like his ceiling is very high. It is like if his jumper really does pan out, if his shot creation and glimpses of pull-up shooting and fadeaway shooting. Like, if those things become a more consistent reality, he has a very, very high ceiling. But I still just wonder, what is that ceiling? And to me, it can be something like a Christian Wood-Pascal-Siakam hybrid, which is a crazy player. Um, Or at least it sounds like a crazy player, but I just don't know. I don't know, like, if he's ever going to be a 20-point-per-game scorer on the offensive end of the floor, which is, isn't a bad thing at all. It's just, with the ceiling, I just, I'm not quite sure what it is yet. I'm excited. I mean, I get I get really excited about his ceiling, but I'm not quite sure what it is. And you also got to consider that if the shooting and ball handling doesn't pan out, he could definitely still be a rim runner, which is why I'm higher. I'm I'm higher on him the most because I think he's a high floor, high ceiling prospect. But there's a rim running big just isn't very valuable. And while he is going to be a rim runner that guards the entire floor, which is pretty decently valuable, um, it's it's not going to make him a top five player in this class. Those are just some of my concerns. I love Kai Jones. I I could end up with him as five. Um, he could end up as seven. But either way, I love him. He's one of I, he's one of my guys for this class. Him him and Giddy. Um, him and Giddy both. And then my number seven player is Moses Moody. I think this is around the range that most people have Moses Moody. I would say I see him mostly in the five to eight range, which I think is appropriate. Uh, look, I like Moses Moody a lot. I. I get really excited about what his floor is as a six foot six, six foot seven wing um, who can put the ball on the floor a little bit. You know, 
I, I like what I saw as a shot creator this year. Um, he can shoot off the dribble better than I thought he could. He looked fluid as a pull-up shooter from mid-range. He's got to work on extending that pull-up shooting to behind the arc, and, uh, in my opinion, to maximize his potential. But even if that stuff doesn't translate to the NBA, he's always going to be a 3 and D player. And that's what gets me really excited. I think at worst, he's going to be like a Macau Bridges level player. Someone who's super efficient, doesn't take stupid shots, is a good three-point shooter, and is a really, really solid defender. I think that all of those, when you see all of those tools, he's a high floor prospect and a high ceiling prospect because of his ball handling and his pull-up shooting and his three-level scoring really does improve. Uh, then you have a real asset on your hands. Then you have someone who can be a third scoring option on a championship team. And then that's all while playing high-level defense. He, he could be a Chris Middleton-type player if everything works out. And I've seen, like, there's some passing chops that I think he could grow into. And that that's, that is exciting, too. Like, there's some serious passing potential there. And I know a lot of people don't talk about that. I'll get into it a little more um, in a later episode. But there's some passing stuff that I like in there and that I think could be untapped uh, in the right system. And then, so, after, like I said, after 5 through 7, um, 8, 9, and 10, I would say not necessarily set in stone, but I like the order where they're at and I like the guys there. 8 is Trey Mann from Florida. Another guy that I'm I'm pretty high on because I think his game just fits the modern NBA perfectly. At six foot six, so let's keep this in mind. So he's a Florida sophomore. He's six foot six. I want to say around 190-ish pounds. And just I I view him as the best ball handler in the draft. Uh, just a super shifty ball handler. He can change speeds incredibly well. He decelerates. Um, he uses change of pace. Uh, he just, he really does, does everything as a ball handler. Just one of the shiftiest prospects in recent memory. Someone who creates space incredibly well. He's not a great, like, run and jump athlete. Like, you're never going to see him put someone on a poster. You're never going to see him, you know, sky, go sky high in the air and get a chase down block. He's not a great vertical athlete, but in terms of shiftiness, body control, coordination, that kind of stuff. He is a great athlete. He's a great functional athlete, and I think that's something that doesn't get talked about enough. On top of being a great ball handler and just, you know, a, a good functional athlete, he's one of the best shooters in the draft. Uh, he shot around 40% from three. He shot a lot of pull-ups. Um, he's able to get into the lane. Uh, he's got a soft floater that he uses. He's very, very crafty around the rim. He doesn't have that burst. He doesn't have, like, that gear where he can just, like, blow past guys you, you won't ever see him doing that which is a, a bit of a concern that I have but it's not something that's too huge for me where I'm gonna drastically lower my my stock with him but it, it is noteworthy and then on defense uh, I think you know he's shown flashes of like textbook rotations and he knows what's what to do he's not an idiot but he needs to work on his positioning his closeouts um, his overall effort—it's not great at the at this point in time, so it it can certainly look to get better. But I think he's just got a ton of offensive potential. I bet on him being a twenty point per game scorer guy, and if his passing develops, he's a good passer, not a great one. But I think at his size, and keep in mind, he still could be growing. 
last year, he grew two inches and gained 15 pounds. And like a, he's, he's six foot five right now. So if you add an inch or two, you could be looking at a six, 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 seven, poten- potentially point guard who can, who's the best ball handler in the draft. That's a really, really appealing prospect. And that's, that's what I really love about Trey man. And then my number nine guy is Franz Wagner from Michigan. I feel like a lot of people have Franz somewhere in this range. I guess it depends on how much you value what he's going to bring to the table because Wagner's not going to be a star. That's just the reality. He's not going to be a star player. He's not going to be someone that you run your offense through. He's not going to be a top three scoring option on a championship contender. But to that, I say, so what? He is, first, an unbelievable defender. Super switchable, super versatile, good lateral quickness, moves his feet well, navigates screens incredibly. Like, if you run pick and roll against him, it's just not going to work. He gets over screens really, really well. He he's six foot nine. He's got a good NBA ready body. He just like like if you're trying to drive against Franz Wagner, like it's gonna be really, really tough because he uses his body really well. He swallows up shots. Like he's a really good defensive playmaker. He gets steals in the passing lanes, he blocks shots. Um, and he just gets it's hard to he's just intense on defense. And he's not someone that's gonna get up in your face, slap the the um the floor and you know start clapping but he just is super physical and super aggressive as a defender um and that's that's really really valuable someone who's a six foot nine combo forward who can defend pretty much anyone that that's really tricky you're not going to find a lot of guys like that and so i think he's going to be really really impactful as a defender and then offensively he does a lot of things really well He's a decent three-point shooter. 34% isn't a great number. But keep in mind, before the tournament, he shot 38%, which is very – that's very important. He had an awful tournament, and that's why so many people, you know, kind of dropped their stock on him. But that – to me, like, that doesn't matter a ton. Like, March Madness, it definitely matters in the evaluation. But if someone has a really poor tournament and just doesn't do as well, I'm not going to drastically, like – but put him lower, like five, six spots. Like, I just don't believe in that. And because it's, su- it's such a small sample size too. Like you're going to ignore the 30 plus games they played for two or three games, or maybe he didn't look his best. Like he's definitely not the clutchest player in the draft. Uh, that's what I took away from Arch Madness. But yeah, Wagner's a really talented all around player. He can pass. He can shoot it a little bit. He gets to the rim really well. Like, I feel like he kind of combines like, it's almost like he's the best of both worlds. Where, like, you know, you have the typical European hoopster who can uh, kind of has a good sense of playmaking and scoring. Like, they know how to balance that really well. Wagner knows how to balance that really well. But most European guys aren't as strong and physical, as tough as Wagner, especially when he gets to the rim. Like, Wagner is a legit slasher. Um, and with his ability, he, sla- he can get to the rim. Uh, despite he's he's not the quickest guy, but he just some guys just aren't quick and just manage to get to the rim, and that's what Wagner does. He's got great touch on floaters and runners. He just does so many things offensively with his passing, with his cutting, with his ability to get to the rim. I think his I think his spot up shooting is going to be fine. He shot 
a high percentage before the tournament. He shot a very high free throw percentage in both of his years at Michigan. I'm not worried about his shooting uh, much really at all. I think he's going to be a good shooter. And on defense, he's just a stud. So when you have all of those things, I think that's a top 10 prospect, even if he doesn't have star equity. And then at number 10, I've got Zaire Williams from Stanford. This is someone that I've seen people put way too low on big boards. I've seen him in the mid, I've seen him in the late teens. I've seen him in the twenties. I've seen him even in the second round. And look, I get it. Yeah, you know, you look at the stats on paper and you look at his body and just it was a bad year all around for Stanford. Like, like there's no there's really no doubt about it. But I think that there's a lot of context that's that's missing. When you have to look at Zaire Williams, you I, I think looking more at his talent and his ability is more important. Because he dealt with a bunch of stuff this year. Stanford, he didn't really have access to a weight room. They were stuck in a hotel for a while. It was a bad situation. I don't even think they could play on their own court um, for a good bit of the season. And so he really can't develop his body. He's not super physical. So he came into the into college, you know, really needing to improve his body, and he couldn't. And so he struggled with physicality. He struggled as a finisher. He struggled with turnovers. But a lot of his weaknesses come from his lack of strength. And that's something like like strength. Like it's I don't want to say it's easy to gain weight in the NBA, but more often than not, guys are going to be able to put it on pounds. And I have faith in Zaire Williams doing that. And with his ability, ability as a pull-up shooter, one of the cleanest forms of the draft, I would not look at that 29% from three and get worried. I would look at his textbook form and jumper, just a super quick – a uh, super just aesthetically pleasing jumper, really. And I would look at his high free throw percentage. He's got good touch around the rim. I would look at all of that as positive indicators for his shooting potential. And he's also a really good passer. He's one of the better passing wings in, in recent memory. I would say um, him and Wagner, I would consider Gideon Cunningham more as point guards, but I would say him and Wagner are both just really, really high level passing wings. Um, I would say both of them are better passers than Jalen Johnson from Duke, who I'll get into in a little bit. So uh, I really like what he brings on both ends of the floor. Um, his defense, super quick laterally, um, shown flashes of help side rim protection, good team defender with his passing and his shooting on offense. I think that's that's too much to pass on. Like you can worry about his rim pressure um, and his finishing ability, like, yeah, that, that's a problem. His lack of burst is is an issue. Uh, but his lack of strength isn't to me. And that's where a lot of his weaknesses are mainly stem from. So I, I wouldn't look at his bad season at Stanford and write him off. I would instead contextualize what what you're seeing and then make, make it a subject from there. If you genuinely watch the tape and don't like Zaire Williams as a prospect, fine. But don't look at the stats – and then not contextualize the situation of what he was in, and then put him in the 20s. Like, I, I just don't think that's the proper way to do it. I, I think he's I think he's a pretty great prospect and someone that's going to stay in my top 10. And then 11, I have Jonathan Kuminga. This is, this is tough. Jonathan Kuminga, to me, is the most polarizing player in this draft. I've seen him as high as 2, and I've seen him as low as, like, 13-ish. I want to say somewhere in that range. 
and I have him at 11. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very low on him, but I, I have my reasons for being low on him and I'll, I'm going to talk about it in a, in a later episode, but I'll, I'll just kind of sum it up quickly. Now he has like, he has to be a star. And when I say that, I mean, he really can't be a role player. He doesn't have like the shooting ability, the defensive intensity. He's a ball stopper on offense. Um, he, he's not a very high field player, so he can't really be a role player. And if you can't be a role player, then you've got to be a star. Like, I, I don't see him unless he like, I don't think he's going to accept being a role player. And not because I think he's like a bad character guy or someone's like, oh, I want the ball. I just don't think his play style is suited to be a role player. And it's like, all right, well, if he can't be a role player, then he has to be a star, right? He is so far away from being a star level player. Okay. He is not good on defense right now. Like, yeah, you can look at the tools. The tools on defense are very, very intriguing, but he's only about six foot six. Like the NBA G League has listed him at six foot six. He doesn't, his team defense is terrible. Low feel for the game. Doesn't really, like, he just doesn't have that understanding of like making rotations. He misses rotations like basically all the time. And on offense, the jumper isn't there. He shot less than 25% from three on a a lot of attempts. And his free throw percentage was bad as well. He was able to get to the rim really well, but his touch was very inconsistent and he wasn't always a consistent contact finisher. His passing, some players have, like, here's what I'll say. You'll see some plays where he'll make good reads. And it's like, oh, okay, maybe this guy has some passing chops. But then you'll see him struggle to throw basic entry passes. Like, I remember a game against, I believe it's the Charlotte Swarm or whatever the Hornets G League team is. And he struggled, I want to say it was like two possessions in a row, to throw basic fundamental passes. And that's just, that's a real concern to me. Now, here's the thing. I said he he's so far away from being a star. The good thing is that he's only 18. He's supposed to be a high school senior right now. So he's got a lot of time. And he showed the shot creation tools. He's a nuclear athlete. I can see why people might be high on him. Uh, but I don't think he's better than the top four in this class. And I would say the highest I'm probably going to go with him is eight. But right now I've got him at 11. And I I mean, there's a chance with more film that I watch that he could enter my top 10, but I'm really just not quite sure. Kuminga is very polarizing. He's someone that I could see being a star, but only in the right situation and only if he has a fantastic work ethic. But he because he's just got such a long way to go to maximize his potential. And then at the 12th spot. I've got Jaden Springer from Tennessee. Springer, it's been a wild ride for me and Jaden Springer. Uh, I've had him all over my rankings. He's gone from, he, he's been as high as six and as low as like 18. And right now I have him actually coincidentally right in the middle of that um, at, at 12. And I I see, I see two. So I don't ever think he's going to be this, elite shot creator, someone who's, uh, you know, getting to the rim at will and going to be a 20 point per game score. I don't see that personally, but I think with his age and his production, 
Uh, he's a good shoot. I buy the shot. Uh, I, I think, obviously, he had success in the season, um, uh, all by obviously limited attempts. I, I buy the shot. He's a good passer, not a great one, but I still think he's someone that's going to be able to function in pick and roll despite, you know, the mediocre um, synergy percentile stuff. I think he's going to be decent in pick and roll. He's finishing. I don't know if he'll be a great finisher in the league. I think he uses his body really, really well, but he's just uh, like, he's just a below-the-rim finisher and just doesn't get a lot of pop um, when he tries to get in the air and finish. Just So I'm not quite sure about his finishing, but I buy the shooting. I buy the passing. His defense is amazing. Like He's just in your grill all night long. He just is He's intense. Like, he's just an intense defender. And I, and he's, he seems like, like just a good all around game. Like, I wouldn't say he's a jack of all trades guy. I say he's a good all around combo guard. who's going to be able to fit, um, next to stars. And he's someone you're going to be able to get good scoring, passing and defense out of, but maybe not at a great level, which is fine. Like, that's not a bad thing. I just wouldn't go top 10 because I don't see much star equity. At 13, I've got Keon Johnson. Again, very similar to Springer. He's someone I, I've I've had a tough time with uh, and someone that's kind of fluctuated on, on my board for a while. And 13 is probably on the low end for him. I think most media outlets have him at around six. And I'm pretty low. Like, if you look at my top 10, I don't have any, like, bad shooters. Like, Mobley isn't great, but... He's not like like he's gonna he's a a great big that I'm high on his shooting projection. Giddy, I'm high on his shooting projection. Um, same thing with Franz and Zaire. But both I think Franz and Zaire are good shooters, um, despite their um, mediocre percentages. And I think Mobley is gonna develop into one a good shooter. Same with Giddy. Um, and I don't think any of those guys are non-shooters. I think that's the important thing. But Keon Johnson is a non-shooter, and that that concerns me. Like, one of my cardinal sins is drafting a guard or a wing who really just can't shoot. And Keon can't shoot, and that's that's a problem. Now, I, I really love what he brings defensively. He's such an incredible athlete. I think he's going to work really, really well as a role player, but I don't, I don't think he has the shot creation or the ball handling, or the shooting to be someone who consistently gets on-ball reps. But he kind of reminds me of Gary Harris a little bit. I think he's someone that's going to be able to play off the ball, play intense defense. He'll cut. um, He'll be able to potentially blow by guys and get to the rim. He'll be able to hit some spot-up threes. He'll be able to hit shots over the mid-range. But he's not someone that you – he's not going to get on-ball reps. Or at least I don't think he's deserving of on-ball reps um, with the level of player that he is right now. But I like Keon. I want to be higher on him. But the reality is that when you have a guy like him who just can't shoot and doesn't have the ball handling or shot creation or passing chops to be someone who gets many on-ball reps, then that kind of limits your upside. At 14, again, uh, 12, 14 through 19 is where it really it gets really, really fluid. At 14 right now, I've got Bones Highland from VCU, one of my guys in this draft, one of my favorite players in this draft. Forget 
obviously, like, if you're a draft nerd like I am, you're going to go into the deep, like, you're going to do the deep dive. You're going to go watch games. Um, you're going to take notes on everything. But if you're just a casual NBA draft guy wanting to learn about Bones Highland, just go watch some highlights. He's one of the most fun players to watch on highlights because he is he's an elite shooter. All right, he he's a knockdown shooter from uh, from deep. Like he he really does. He has Damian Lillard range. Like he has extreme range. Um, he doesn't really think anything of launching off the dribble thirty footers, which is crazy. And he's, but he's not a shooting specialist. All right. He's, first of all, he's got a great handle. That's one of the things I love about him. His handle is really, really good. Like, I think he'll be, he's someone that I could see getting on ball reps and being a potentially high level scorer. His passing is good, not great. I think for an off guard, if he was a point guard, I'd say it's below average, but I don't think he's a point guard at the next level. I think he's more of a, a two guard type, someone who could play off the lead initiator. I think that's the best role for Highland. I'd love to see him and Giddy paired up. I think that would be a really, really fun backcourt. I worry about the defense a little bit, but I think it'd be really fun. And yeah, he's a good athlete. Like on D, like he is he is a good athlete. Like he's able to get into the lane despite his super skinny frame. Like that's that's the that's the biggest thing. Like his frame, he is so small and so skinny. That that's what's going to hurt him. If he can't bulk up, then it's going to be a bit of a problem for him. But as we've seen with guys like Emmanuel Quickly, yeah, he can still be an effective player. And I, I think Bones is an even better prospect than Quickly was. And I actually like Quickly. I, I was probably higher on him than consensus last year, even though I had him still in the 30s. With that being said, I like Bones. He's got shooting. He's a good overall score. He's got an excellent handle. Like he it just a, a really good handle, which is why I could see him becoming a pretty well-rounded score um, in the NBA, depending on the context of his situation. Not a great defender, but he's a good team defender. He's a good athlete. I think there's potential there. All he needs to do is bulk up. That's it. If he can bulk up and his shooting and his scoring and his ball handling translates, he's going to be a really, really solid pro for a long time. At 15, I've got James Booknight, another guy I've been all over the map with. I've had him as high as, I want to say, 8 or 9. I've had him at 19. It's it's another one where it's been a wild ride, but I have him at 15 right now. And I want I want to like Book Knight because he is such a great athlete. He's a good scorer from all three levels. I buy the shot. But it's just, I think he's kind of like the worst of two worlds. And when I say that, it's like, I could see him being a 20-point-per-game scorer in the NBA. Like, I could see it easily. But how efficient will it be? That's, that's my question. I don't know if it'll be an efficient 20 points per game. But... If he's conf- but if you really want him to be efficient, you can have him as like a microwave, not a microwave scoring role, but y- you know you can have him as like a smaller scoring option as opposed to like being a twenty point per game high usage guy. And if that's the case, I could see him being more efficient. I could see him really tapping into that defensive upside of his. I could see his passing being pretty decent if he's you know asked to move the ball. Um. So. But it kind of sacrifices things. So if you have him as like this high usage ball handling guard, I don't think he's going to be a very efficient and maybe not a very winning a uh, winning player. But if you have him as like this 
you know, just like more of an efficient scoring type who can move the ball and taps into his defense, then he's not going to be as effective uh, as like as an overall score. So I hope that makes sense. But he's he's like the best of both worlds in the worst of worst both worlds in that sense where I don't know if he's I don't know if there's a world where he's a super efficient high volume score while also playing good defense and being a solid passer. I think you're either going to get high volume score or a more well-rounded player. It all depends on the context of his situation. At 16, I've got Usman Garuba, a very intriguing international prospect who coming into the year, I believe, was pretty much the consensus top-ranked international guy. And that's that's how I have him. I have him as uh, the second-ranked international guy behind Josh Giddy, who we already talked about. I like Garuba a lot. He's on defense. He's really, really special. Just a mind reader, someone who's an excellent team defender. Does a really good job of he switches well. He guards ball screens very well. Rotates like he's he rotates like a madman. His offense, though, is a bit of a question mark, which is why I don't have him in that lottery uh, range quite yet. He has a lot of tools on off like I he's a decent athlete I think um a solid finisher I like his passing I think that's probably his most NBA ready offensive skill to be honest I could see him being like a short role playmaker someone who runs pick and roll like I would love to see him with Luca and I know that sounds like a weird fit but I think if you had him next to Luca I know you kind of want to surround Luca with the shooters but I'd almost love to see if Luca had someone where he could dump the ball down low to, and he can he can either finish the rim or he can kick it out and get the offense flowing, that kind of stuff. I think that would be really interesting because I think Luka needs a short roll playmaker, which is exactly what Garuba can be in the right situation. His shot though, it's it's bad. Like the mechanics are bad, the results aren't great. Guys in the early just left him open. Um. So, but yeah, I, I I like I like Aruba. I think I don't quite see the upside with him. Like I see some people put them in the top ten. Um, even the lottery is I don't know if I'd go there. But with his defense, with his offensive potential, if that shot comes around, he's going to be a really good player. And I think there's a chance the shot could come around in the right situation. I think he's one of the most context dependent players in the in the class. Speaking of context dependent. I have Scotty Barnes at 17. Scotty Barnes is one of those guys that I'm really, really low on. I, I There are a lot of people that love Scotty Barnes. I've seen Scotty Barnes at five. He's probably the guy that I've seen is the most common guy at five outside of Kuminga. I know a lot of people love Scotty Barnes. And, and I mean, I, I can see it. Like a six foot nine wing who's a good ball handler, a good passer. Uh, and just a, a ferocious defensive player. That's 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 value. <laughs> that's that's value. But there are a couple things holding me back. All right, with Scotty Barnes, let's talk about let's talk about the offense. His passing. So his passing is his best and most intriguing skill. But there are two there are two things that I don't necessarily think like his passing. It could translate, and I think there's a pretty good chance it does. But there are two things that worry me about his passing. One. He doesn't provide rim pressure. He doesn't create advantages. And that's tricky. 
like if you're your passing is going to be really really limited if you're not getting to the rim you're not creating advantages you're not forcing the defense to react to you and scotty barnes doesn't do that he's uh, one of the least aggressive prospects i've seen in recent years and it's frustrating it's like i i watch florida state games and i want to scream at the top of my lungs go to the basket because if he went to the basket more consistently he'd be creating more advantages but he doesn't have the handle for that and he doesn't have the burst for that and he's not aggressive on top of that so it's um it's just not a great all-around combination and and so he's not going to be able to create advantages as well and a lot of his passing came from like standstill actions and picking apart zones picking apart zones is not a valuable skill in the nba it's just not why because you can't play you can't really play zone in the nba and he did show high-level reads. He did make high-level passes and, and showed flashes of making high-level reads. But they were very, they were pretty infrequent, to be honest. Most of his passing that I saw was it was out of some was out of the pick and roll and being I I I think he could be a good pick and roll player, but he needs to sell himself more as a scorer. That that's the biggest issue. It's not even like that. I don't think he'll be a great scorer, but he doesn't even like provide. Like, if he provided value as a scorer, was willing to get to the rim, was willing to shoot a little bit, and guys to be able to respect him, like, like he'd be top 10. Like, I, I there'd be no argument for that. But because he doesn't really put pressure on the rim, and he doesn't get to the basket, and he can't shoot, like, his shooting, is, his mechanics are inconsistent. Um, just every his shot is just not great. It's a work in progress. With all of that, I I just don't love him. And on defense, like his on-ball defense is great, but he doesn't provide a lot of rim protection for a guy his size. So we'll see with Scotty Barnes. I'm willing to be proved wrong because he's a lot of fun to watch. And I did just go on kind of a ramble about him, but um, I still like him. I just, I have my questions. At 18, another one of my guys, Chris Duarte from Oregon. Uh, on the Right Way Sports Network's, page i just did um i just wrote an article that uh talking about chris duarte um, a bit the article wasn't mainly about him but eh, i love chris duarte i think chris duarte is fantastic for a couple of reasons all right the first one is that uh three-point shooting just an amazing is an amazing three-point shooter uh, off the catch off screens off spot ups whatever he is an amazing, amazing shooter. And what I also love about him is that he can hit shots off the bounce. Like he's, uh, I wouldn't consider much of a shot creator. That's, that's definitely a difference. But he can, he really can hit pull-up shots. He can, he's a great shooter off the bounce. He's far more well-rounded as a scorer than I think a lot of people are going to give him credit for. He's a good finisher at the rim as well. Like with his ability to shoot, I think he could be a three-level scorer, but not necessarily from like – like when you think of three-level scorer, you think of Devin Booker. You think of Zach Levine. But Duarte can be a three-level scorer in the sense that he's a good finisher at the rim, a good mid-range pull-up shooter, and a good three-point shooter, even if he's not able to necessarily create his own shots from all of those areas, if that makes sense. And then defensively, great team defender, gets a ton of steals. He plays passing lanes incredibly well. He's alert off the ball. Um, just a real competitor and a hustler, someone who just battles. Um, he makes calculated risks. 
he he just does a lot of really positive things on the on the defensive end of the floor. Now, I think he'll need to work on his lateral quickness. Um, I don't think he's someone that you're. I wouldn't ask him to guard ball handlers because he's not laterally quick enough to stay in front of those guys. But with his shooting, with his defense, uh, with his uh, with his ability to hit shots off the dribble, I think there's a lot a lot of potential there, and I think. Um, a contender that scoops him up is going to be really, really happy with themselves. I know he's 24. <laughs> he's going to be 24 on draft day. That is, that's a major turnoff for most people. And for the most part of this, for me as well. But I'm, I'm not putting him in my top 10. If he was uh, the normal age of a college sophomore, like around 20, 21, he'd probably be in my lottery. But he's not. So he's not in my lottery. But I really like him. I think he's going to provide value to whatever. NBA team that drafts him. I don't think he's context dependent, which is very important. At 19, I've got Roko Percussion. Percussion. This I'm gonna I'm gonna f- find the pronunciation of his name one day, but Roko Percussion, I think, um, is what I'm going with right now. I, I at the at the beginning of the year I was high on Roko. When I first started watching him, I was like, all right, this guy, he's good all-around combo forward. Um, not a great shooter, but a decent shooter, good passer, smart defender, can get to the lane. I like him. And then I watched a little more at the middle of the season. I was a little lower on him. And now I'm back at where I was before. I, I have him in my top 20. I like what he brings to the table all around. Like I said, combo forward, someone that I think can play both forward spots Good shooter. His shooting has really, really come come along. I think he's shooting around 39% from three, which is a really, really good number on decent volume per game. And he's able, he's getting to the rim. He's able to make pat, like he's a really good passer for someone his size. Um, solid, smart defender. Just a good all-around player. Someone who isn't, I wouldn't say there's a like a major weakness in his game that's gonna like make me scared of scared to draft him. Like he definitely isn't a a flawless prospect, but I wouldn't say there's anything. The only thing that I could see is if the jump shot doesn't pan out because he does shoot a low free throw percentage at just sixty five percent. That's that's uh, not great <laughs> to put it simply, but he is shooting forty percent from three, and he is made. Like, he's gotten so much better as a shooter in recent years. So, I'm willing to bet on his development curve. And considering how smart of a player he is, he's a high IQ, high feel wing. And I think he's got a lot of a lot of tools to work with. I think he could be a valuable rotational wing in whatever system he goes to. And at 20, I've got Kessler Edwards. Draft Twitter loves him. I love him. One of, one of my favorites in this class. I, I just think he does I he first of all he's got the two most valuable skills as a role player. Three point shooting and defense. Three point shooting, shot thirty-eight percent from three, eighty-eight percent from the foul line. Those are two really, really good numbers uh for projecting his shooting. Don't let his shot form scare you away. Okay. I know you're gonna watch it and you're gonna say, yikes, because it's not it's not a pretty shot. But let's look at a couple things. Two one, let's look at how high he gets in the air. Like people talk about the second thing more often than the first, but he gets really high in the air on his shots, which makes it hard to contest. 
on top of the fact that he has a high release point. Those two things put together are a dangerous combination as a shooter. And the percentages, he's been a reliable three-point shooter his entire career at Pepperdine. I, I'm, I think his shooting is going to translate really, really well to the league. And then defensively, he's just a disruptor. Like, he just he disrupts actions. Um, he's incredibly mobile. He's switchable. He's versatile. He's got good size. He's six foot eight, so he's like a legitimately bang, big wing. I think he's got... He's got the frame that I think can put on. Like I, I think that he's going to be able to put on more weight and continue to grow into his frame. Um, I think he's got the size to do that. And so if he does all that with his shooting and his defense, you know, he's he's not a great passer, but he moves the ball well. He cuts. Um, I, I a three and D six foot eight wing who could put on more pounds and guard some of the best wings in the league. That's really valuable. That's someone worth drafting in the teens or in the 20s. I could see him going up a little bit. Maybe, no, I wouldn't say maybe one spot. I could see him being somewhere in this range. But like I said, the, the 14 through 20 or 14 through 19, I would say, is very, very fluid. It's very, it's very fluid. So I wouldn't pay so much attention to the order. I would just focus on the guys kind of in that group and like who's grouped together. I've gone very in-depth with my top 20, and now through my 21 through 30, um, again, it's very fluid. It's very fluid, but I'm gonna I'm not going to spend as much time on these guys as I did with my top 20, but in 21, I've got BJ Boston. I'm not so quick to sell my BJ Boston stock necessarily, S- similar to Zaire, but more to a, uh, to a lesser point because I think Zaire is more tools, but Boston, I... I think there's scoring potential. Like I, I wouldn't necessarily like look at his bad Kentucky season and, and be terrified. Like I wouldn't. Like yes, there were some major problems there. Obviously, super inconsistent throughout the year. But that team was terrible. They were a mess, a disaster all year, all year long. I'm more interested in his potential than how he performed in that college season. I like his shot. I buy the shooting. I think at worst, he's going to be able to be a good catch-and-shoot guy. And I like his defense. So I think he can be a valuable 3 and D guy. If his ball handling is translates to the league, I think we could be looking at a pretty good score and someone who's a solid defender. So I think that's something worth buying. At 22, I've got Varenz Bleichenberg. This is uh, one of the, the most underrated international player in this class. A six-foot... 10, 6 foot 11 guy who can handle, he can pass and he can shoot. A 6 foot 10 guy who can do all of those, you're not going to find those a lot. And what what Vrens bring like he brings those all at a decently high level um playing in the Belgium league. I think he's going to be his game's going to be able to translate well to the league. He needs to put on some weight, but outside of that, he's got a lot of offensive talent um I, I I think he's got he's just a, a high field player um, who can do a lot of interesting things for a guy his size. At 23, I've got Miles McBride, someone I think is very very underrated in this draft process. A three and D guard, he can handle, he can put the ball on the floor a little bit, he can hit pull ups. A three and D guard that can do all of those things that's that that's automatically value on an NBA team. At 24, I've got Jared Butler. That's someone I could see myself. I could see him getting a little bit higher in my rankings. 
Butler is just a safe bet to be a productive pro. A pro, excuse me. He's a good shooter. He's a good passer. He's a smart defender. Like those three things right there. Now I'm curious if he's going to be a point guard at the NBA level. Like I like I I have my questions about whether or not he's going to be. Like he's only six foot three. He's not a great athlete. Like he's not like an elite passer. So I don't know how much you'd want to ask of him in terms of that. But like. I just think he's going to be a productive player wherever he goes. I think he'll be a contributing role player easily. At 25, I've got Isaiah Jackson, super raw, super athletic big man who has, I think there's a lot of defensive potential. Great rim protector, great shot blocker, and I think there's a little bit more mobility. Like, I think he's going to be able to guard ball screens and, and like, switch. But he needs to work on his discipline. That's the biggest issue. He needs to work on his discipline. And he he literally, like, if you pump fake, you've sold Isaiah Jackson. Like, every single time. And he he's just, he's got a lot of raw energy that I think really needs to be funneled. But I think the right or NBA organization can do that. And then on offense, right now, he's just a rim runner. But Kentucky is known for suppressing guys in roles. And then when you go to the NBA, it's like, I'll give you an example. Cat's shooting ability. Cat wasn't a good, wasn't a shooter at Kentucky. Then comes in the NBA is the greatest three, uh, NBA three point shooting center ever. Uh, Tyler Hero and Devin Booker. Devin Booker was a six man for his own college team, and was a shooting specialist. And now he's one of the NBA's best all around scorers. Tyler Hero, um, I know he uh, obviously didn't have a great end to the year, and it's been a kind of a wild ride this year. But he's proven that he could put the ball on the floor and score and uh, in more like like a wider variety of ways. And I think we could – I'm not saying Isaiah Jackson is going to be anywhere near the level of Cat or Booker or anything like that. I have him at 25. If I thought he was going to be at that level, he'd be top 10. He'd be top 8 probably. But I think that there there could be some untapped potential. Like we could look at his – we could look at him being like a potential stretch big and be like, wait, where did this come from? But then it's like, oh, Kentucky guys, you know, Kentucky kind of just – Suppressed him into this role, and he wasn't really allowed to show this. So we'll see. He's an interesting prospect for sure. At 26, I've got Corey Kispert. Again, similar to Butler, someone I could see myself moving up. Um, I, I'm not. I've seen a lot of people put him in the lottery. I don't. I don't see that. I don't think he's going to return lottery value um, as a 23 year old shooting specialist. Now, don't get me wrong. He's a six seven shooting specialist. He's solid on defense. He moves the ball. He's a smart player, hard worker. I just wouldn't – I'm just personally not that high on him because of his limited ceiling, and I, I think that he is at best a role player. At 27, I've got Alperin Sengun, one of the most polarizing players in this draft. I've seen him in the 40s. I've seen him in the top five. It, it's it, – everyone's all over the place with Alperin Sengun. Now, look, I'm playing it conservative with my ranking, I, I think, because – I could see a world where he fails, where he's just not quick enough. He's not good enough as a defender. His post-offensive game doesn't translate, and he's out of the league. Well, I could totally see that. But I could also see a world where he's, you know, guys give him touches in the post. He uses his passing to create advantages. He develops as a shooter. And he's a, a Nikola Vucevic-level player. I could see that. 
I, I don't think that's going to happen, but I also don't really think he's going to completely fail in the league. So I'm, I'm kind of playing it conservative with him, and I have him at 27. At 28, I've got Trey Murphy, uh, a very, very underrated prospect out of Virginia. Elite, elite, elite shooting prospect. 43% from three, 92% from the foul line. I want to see he's like a 98th percentile on, on spot-up shooting attempts, something crazy like that. Just an elite shooting prospect with good defense. And he's six foot nine. Combine all of those things. That's first rounder in my eyes. At 29, I've got Jalen Johnson. That's his that's very low for a lot of people. But Jalen Johnson, I've seen so many people say, Oh, you know, I didn't love what I saw from Jalen Johnson, but he has the talent. What talent? Like all all due respect. I'm just what are what are people seeing that's like, oh, he's just so talented? He's not a great shooter. He doesn't. He has no burst in the half court. Essentially, he doesn't provide much rim pressure. He's averse to contact at the rim. Not a good shooter at all. And on defense, he was low motored and undisciplined. His passing is good. I could see a world where he becomes a good defender, but he's got a long way away. And I, I, I do have some concerns about his character a little bit. Um, and he's just not really good at one particular thing right now. That's, that's just the truth. He's not great in one area, and that really concerns me. And then at 30, I've got Sharif Cooper. Some people love watching this guy play, and I do too. He's a fun watch. I mean, I just turn on some tape, and you're going to see him make unbelievable passes. Uh, like, truly, he is. He does make unbelievable passes. He is a, a very good passing pros, prospect. But what else? He's a, not a good finisher at the rim. I think his burst is very overrated. I don't know if he has the burst to potentially blow by guys and get to the rim like that. His shot is bad. He shot around 22% for three, I think it was. And his his mechanics are atrocious. And his defense is really bad too. He I don't even think he's six foot tall. This is he's just too bad in too many areas right now for me to rank him high. Although I, I respect and totally see the upside with him. I can see why guys are high on him. But that's enough talking for me. That is That wraps up the top 30. Um, if you have any questions, make sure to um, you know leave a voice message. I'm going to uh, eventually, I'll, I hope to have um, an NBA draft mailbag at some point. Hopefully, if you are interested in being a guest on this, I'm happy to bring people on and talk about the draft with them. Um, I'm really, really excited. This is a fun draft. Uh, I could, to- I'm, I totally see my big board changing. I mean, it changes pretty much every day because I'm constantly overthinking things. But um, yeah, so make sure to, like I said, follow me on all social media. Um, you can find my draft content on the Right Way Sports Network. Um, yeah, interact with me on Twitter. Um, and yeah, this was really, really fun. I'm excited to do more draft episodes. Um, So yeah, thanks for tuning in.